right. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. All right. If you would turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. I'm just going to briefly read a phrase there. And this is Jesus um, speaking about what it's going to be like uh, in the last days in the tribulation. Uh, He's giving a prophetic uh, teaching to his disciples, and he says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Now this is a contrast to lawlessness, this next verse. It's uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. So on the one hand, you have a... Um, an extreme increase in what we would call lawlessness in the last days. And then the contrast, in fact, Psalm 1 is a contrast of two uh, people, uh, the wicked and the righteous. Those who um, um, are lawless is what we're going to see in the last days, and God is calling us to be uh, those who meditate on the law and actually delight in it. And so the title of my message today is Lawless, or law-loving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, and I just ask that you would give us a message, Lord, that speaks um, into our lives, Lord God. It speaks into our realities of our life, Lord. Um, It speaks into uh, what we struggle with on a day-to-day basis, Lord. And uh, Lord, we know in these last days there will be um, conditions that are unusual, Lord God. And Lord, we uh, need your guidance and we need your leadership, Lord God, to uh, make it through these treacherous waters that we live in, Lord God. It's difficult, and uh, Lord, we need to be led by your Spirit, Lord God, and and guided by you and only you, Lord. And so we ask that you help us today, speak into our lives, Lord God. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Lawless or law-loving. I'm going to start off with the ideal of what it means to be lawless, because Jesus in that scripture is clearly saying that in the last days there will be increased lawlessness. And um, how many would agree, in fact, when you look at that word increased, it's not just um, a little bit more or there was a lesser amount and a little bit more. That word, when you get into it, actually means multiplied. How many know two times is a lot more wickedness and and, and lawlessness? Ten times is exponentially more, (laughs) okay? And so it says in the last days there's going to be an environment, a spirit, the Bible says, of lawlessness. And that spirit of lawlessness will be multiplied. Um. I don't know, is the Bible relevant to today? I mean, do you, does anybody think that we are seeing lawlessness 
And um, I was looking, um, it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, what starts off as a, you know, a um, social issue. I'm fascinated to see the different groups of people that have become a part of the lawlessness. And you say, well, man, who all is a part of that? And you see a lot of the same group of people um, a few years ago that every time there was a global summit, the anarchists would come out in Seattle, and it was a very large group of anarchists, and they were very mean-spirited. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just study the news from a few years ago. They're anarchists. There are um, uh, actually groups that are Luciferian. I don't know if anybody has ever heard that word before, but there are large groups of people that are what's called Luciferian, and they're very much a part of it because they want an anarchist society. And so we begin to see all these splinter groups come together because a lot of the groups don't, it's not about social justice. And I'm just being very honest, brutally honest, because I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm here to preach the truth. And there are anarchist groups that are very much a part of this, not because of racial equality, but they want to destabilize our government, and they really have an anarchist regime that they would like to replace it with. And uh, if you're not aware of this type of uh, behavior, uh, it's my job to tell the truth. It's my job to speak the truth. It's my job to warn when I see dangerous waters ahead, and I'm warning you today, church, because there are, in fact, um, you ask yourself, are these unprecedented times? Because you look at what's going on in the world around us, and you might say to yourself, well, man, we've never seen anything like this. They're challenging authority. They're going after the elite And boy, it sounds like we've never had this happen, and I want to be a part of that. And it would do you very well to go back and look. Uh, Several weeks ago, I spoke about the critical theory ideals that are in the colleges. And it's the ideal that the oppressed just need to rise up, and they need to remove all of the elite. And when that happens, we're going to have a utopia. In fact, we're going to have so much better of a society because the powerful have always controlled the weak. And these ideals come directly from the past. And some of you would do really well for you to read something called the French Revolution. If you've never read about the French Revolution, we're seeing history repeat itself. In fact, the French Revolution, and you say, man, I didn't come to church to hear about the French Revolution. But you better listen. Because they had a 10-month period um, where they absolutely, in fact, it was called the Days of Terror. It was called the Terror, I mean, just 10 months of terror. The people rose up, they arrested their governmental leadership, They set up a guillotine, and they began beheading all of the elite in their nation. And they rose up, and this philosopher was kind of the leader of the group. They started a group that was called the Council on Public Safety. Sound familiar? 
Well, ours isn't exactly titled that, but they're all about the safety of the people and all about the rights of the people. And they rose up and there were 17,000 people beheaded. Anybody that they felt like was against the revolution was beheaded. Uh, Everybody, the legal system got rid of the legal system where you represent yourself and you have a fair trial. That was wiped out. And so they could send to the guillotine anybody they wanted. So they uh, guillotined the leader of the nation, uh, his wife, every elite person. And you say, well, man, that would never happen in such an innocent movement like we have. You guys aren't listening very careful. And you say, well, man, why would the Luciferian cults be a part of that and the anarchists be a part of that? Um, I, As a pastor, you find yourself studying some very unique things, you know. And if you listen to a Luciferian, uh, if you don't know what Luciferian is, that means Satan. These are Satan worshipers. They're a part of the movement. And to my surprise, they say, well, Satanism is not what you think it is. Well, what do you think it is? They say Satanism is nobody can have authority over any individual. Nobody can make laws concerning you. Nobody can be above you. You are your own God. And they worship Satan because he was the heroic rebeller. He was the hero that rebelled against God. And so that's why they worship him, and that's why they're part of an anarchist movement, because nobody should be able to make laws against you. One of the things the French Revolution, their aim was to remove anything in our culture that is Christian. You say, oh, wow, well, this group that we're watching, they wouldn't want to wipe out Christians. French Revolution was there to wipe out Christianity from their nation. How many know that's true? Church, we had better wake up, and you better quit listening to preachers who are politically correct. You better listen to people that are telling you the truth, or we're going to have some real problems. We need people that are ready to stand up and tell the truth, and quit following along like a dead fish that has no ability to swim upstream. And church, we're called to swim upstream. And you say, well, man, does it have any other precedent? Because I thought this was a new movement. It's exciting. Yeah, it has other other precedents. It's called the Soviet Union. How many of you know that there was a great movement among uh, Russia, and all these movements were against monarchies and elitists, which I'm not here to defend a monarch or an elitist. But I will tell you that lawlessness begins to increase in a nation, and it ends up bloody. In fact, it ends up with dictators at the other end of it who are killing people that are not a part of the cause and always kills people that are Christian. Always. The reasons I'm against uh, socialism and communism, three reasons if you want to jot them down. Number one, it's always against God. Number two, it's always against God. And number three, you guessed it, it's always against God. So mark those down and memorize all three of them, not just one of them. All right, memorize all three of them. Because the Soviets rose up and they said, you know what, we need individual rights. We need the ability to have our own rights. Nobody needs to be an authority over us. Uh, we need to rise up and have a revolution and overthrow these elitists and these uh, these monarchs. And, and, and like I said, I'm not here to... 
defend elitists and monarchs, okay? Definitely not doing that. But as they rose up, guess what they attacked? You find out in a society that a lot of the rules weren't generated by monarchs and elites. They end up their source. In fact, if you study philosophy, if you go to college, study philosophy, they'll tell you that a lot of these governments were loosely or strictly based on the Bible. And so in throwing away the monarchs, in order for me to be fully Luciferian, which I'm telling you right now, these socialist ideas, these socialist philosophers, they're very much humanist, and they very much follow Luciferian doctrine, and they don't even know it. It's, I'll have no restraint on me. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, it says the people will rise up, and because they have no vision, they'll cast off all restraints. No vision means you don't know what's about to happen based on your behavior. So I'm going to throw off all restraints. And they begin to look at our legal system. They begin to say, God says we should behave this way. And the people say, nobody can tell me what to do. There's not a king that can tell me what to do. There's not a governor that can tell me what to do. And especially the head of all morality, God cannot tell me what to do. I will rebel. And Satan goes, yeah! Rebel. And so now we have a culture of people that are lawless, church. And the question I'm asking you today, in fact, in in, in Matthew 7.13, I want you to listen to what it says in Matthew 7.13. My voice is breaking, so i got to be careful here. It's either puberty or I'm speaking too loud, yeah. I don't think it's puberty. Jesus says... Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate because wide is the gate. This is Jesus, not me. Thanks, sir. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. Few there be that find it. Few. I don't know what your definition of few is, but it's not very many. And what I'm preaching today is I want everybody in here to find that narrow road that the few will find. And that tells me that the majority of the world we live in is going down a road of rebellion against God, and there are few of us that are going to find the narrow road. And so we got to be really careful if we're following the crowd, and we're following the current of culture, we're probably going down the wide road. But if we're fighting against the current and we're going a different direction, we're probably the few that have found the other path. Because we've stopped and we've said, I'm going to fight against this culture and I'm going after God with all of my heart. And that's what God wants. He wants us to go after God in a culture that is going the wrong direction. So this lawlessness, what is this lawlessness before we study what the other alternative is? It comes from the Greek word anomia. And so nomia, nomos or nomia is the word for law in the Bible. And when you put an A in front of it, it means without law. And so the word is interpreted iniquity, lawlessness, 
um, sinful. It's, it's, re, it's interpreted different ways, but I'm going to be reading several scriptures uh, this morning that have that word in it, lawlessness, meaning that these are people that refuse law. And very specifically, you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not crazy about the legal system. This isn't talking about the government and the legal system. It's talking about God who was your creator and we're going to have to meet when we die. On the judgment seat of God, I'm not going to stand before an American tribunal. I'm not going to stand in front of an American judge. I'm not going to stand in front of an international court. I'm going to stand in front of the God of heaven and earth and I'm going to have to answer for my life. And God has his own law that's independent of the United States, it's independent of Britain, it's independent of the UN, thank goodness. Amen? That's shouting. God has his own set of rules. And you say, well, man, my culture says I can do this, this, and this, and this. Well, God's law doesn't say that. And they're not going to be there when you're judged one day. And so I have to prepare you to be before God, not before your liberal college. How many know that's true? I've got to prepare you to be in front of God and you're going to be judged by His law, not the laws of the land. Sometimes the laws of the land agree. Sometimes they don't. And you go, well, man, I've got an exception because I'm following the law of the land. You better start following the law of God. It's much higher. All right? Hallelujah. Is everybody with me? Am I too mean this morning? Do I need to smile more? Should I smile more? I'm not good at smiling. I ran into a brick wall when I was like 11. And it bothered me so much, I shattered my teeth. And so I just, I don't smile much. I'm sorry. But I'm happy inside. All right? You actually think that's a joke. That's a true story. All right. 1 John 3, 4. Who is the lawless person? It says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So we talk about a lawless person. How many in here have sinned? Man, there's a few in here that haven't. I'm seeing messianic qualities in this room. Has anybody in here sinned before? I got to wait until every hand's up. We all have. Let me know that. And that's the problem. We're all lawless in our heart. How many know that? Without the law of God to expose that, why do we even need God? Unless I know that I'm a lawless person, why do I need God and why do I need His death on a cross? I don't. But if I'm as lawless as everybody else in the world, then I need something to help me in my life. Something to cover my lawlessness goes on, it says 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That means that whoever you um, pledge to be with in life, maybe it's in business, maybe it's in marriage, maybe it's in dating, uh, maybe it's just your friend group, okay? Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So what that means is, How can you go and move in the same direction when both of you see something sinful and the righteous one wants to go this way and the lawless one wants to go that way? It's telling you that each one are going to have different attitudes toward lawlessness. 
One's going to avoid it, and one's going to run right to it. And so it says, be very careful that you're not unequally yoked. I mean, just imagine if you're married, or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend is going lawlessly in another direction. Can you imagine that? And every time there's a decision whether I seek the Lord or whether I go against the Lord, they're going one way and you're going the other. Or you're tempted to go that way and they're forced to go the other. That's why he's saying it's better that you're just not unequally yoked. That means if you're hanging around with friends that are unequally yoked, it's going to be very hard for you to do the right thing because they're going to want to go that way and you're kind of tethered to them. Everybody understand that? Very important principle here. We don't hear that preached very much anymore. No, no, no. Jesus loved the world. Let's go to the taverns and drink and win them to the Lord. No, you'd rather better be unequally yoked. Don't yoke yourself to them. Yoke means you're tied to them. Okay, they're going to the tavern. You're tied to them. All right? Say, no, this is what Jesus... No, you're not reading his words right. Don't be unequally yoked. It's not saying tie yourself to them. It's saying untie. Okay? Hallelujah. I mean, I'm going to shout to myself here. That's good preaching. You don't have much voice left, but that's good, man. <laughs> Amen. Matthew, or I'm sorry, Romans 6.19. Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your body as servants to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, he's saying just like you previously presented your body as servants to impurity and lawlessness. How many have ever been there? Presented myself to do that which is unpure and that which is lawless. He said, just like you used to do that before you came to the Lord, he says, now present your body as a servant to righteousness that leads to holiness. That means now I'm going to present myself to righteousness just like I used to do it to sin. Now I'm eager to do it for the right thing, for holiness. Isn't that good? Matthew 13, 41. It says this is actually a parable that Jesus is talking about when the good wheat grows up with the weeds. And it says the Son of Man... 1341, will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all of those who cause sin and are the lawbreakers. So that says, when the judgment comes, if I don't thoroughly prepare for you and you're still in your sin and still a lawbreaker, it says Jesus and his angels are going to come separate all the people who are intentionally causing sin And lawbreakers, he's going to separate them out and then he's going to establish his kingdom. You say, well, man, why is it important now? Because I've got to demonstrate that I love the Lord by my obedience to the Lord. I can't be lawless and against God and then still say, God, let your kingdom come because I won't have a part in that kingdom. His kingdom can't have rebellion. His kingdom can't have people that say, God, I'll do what I want to do and you cannot be my authority. That kingdom will not have that. And you say, well, man, how is God going to deal with that? He's dealing with it today. He's saying, who will want me? Who will want to not be lawless? Who will want to love righteousness? Does that mean we're perfect? Does anybody think that means we're perfect? 
It's no, it's just that we're pursuing righteousness. And you say, you're telling me there's a lot of people in this world that don't pursue righteousness? There's a lot of people in this world that seek to do good deeds. That's not the same as pursuing his righteousness. There's a big difference. You say, well, I'm a good person. I'm as good as any Christian. Still not seeking righteousness. Righteousness is saying, hey, your opinion, your kingdom over my opinion, my wisdom, and I want to follow you and I want to serve you, Lord. You're the Lord of my life. You say, well, I accept him as the Lord of my life, and I said the prayer. Okay, you said the prayer, but is he the Lord of your life? Big difference. What's Lord of life mean? It means he has authority over my life. He's the one that, that, that I look to for guidance in my life. He's the one that I follow. He's the one I'm obedient to. And church, I want you to say the prayer, and I want you to let him be the Lord of your life. I want you to pursue righteousness. Where we used to pursue wrong, man, I want to see everybody pursue righteousness as defined by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 1.9. God is speaking about his son. It's a quote that God spoke over his son, Jesus Christ. It says, you have loved righteousness and Hated wickedness. That's that same word, anomia, lawlessness. And it says, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness before you are beyond your companions. So Jesus, what's his reaction to lawlessness? He hates it. He loves righteousness. That means that desire in us to do what's right, even beyond the fact that we have a heart uh, that sins, We're pursuing righteousness through His grace. And Jesus hates lawlessness. And then it goes on, it says, Titus 2.14. I'm just going, I'm just doing a word study of lawlessness because I see the rise of it in this last days. Why is it important to study lawlessness? Because the Bible says in the last days it will multiply exponentially. And then, do you know what the end of the rise is? The man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness in the Bible in Thessalonians, and I'll read it in a minute, the man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. In fact, when the Antichrist shows up, the world will be infected with lawlessness. Everybody in this world will rise up. And, 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 and when I mentioned the French Revolution and how many heads they cut off, how many know this is history, recent history? A guillotine cut off thousands and thousands of people's head in the middle of Paris. And this was like around 1800. Okay, know your history, please. Don't just know what happened on the news last night on CNN or Fox, okay? Please, know more than what happened five minutes ago. Know your history and be educated on your history from a source other than a liberal college. Amen? Hallelujah. But remember, the Antichrist is not just Paris. It's not just the French Revolution. It's not just the... Soviet Revolution. How many know a lot of people died in the Soviet Revolution as well? Same deal as the French Revolution. But the Bible is saying that this is going to be widespread, global in the, in the tribulation. How many know that? When the Antichrist shows up, he's the man of lawlessness. He's the man of chaos. He's the man um, of revolution. And the whole world is going to be looking for him. And you say, well, man, how can these 
revolutionaries that want equal rights for everybody, how could they accept a man like him? How many know that the Bolsheviks and the Soviet Union and the Soviets, they accepted Lenin? How many know that? How many know that Stalin was accepted by the revolutionaries? How many know Fidel Castro? I was on, I went to Israel with Ted Cruz's dad. And Ted Cruz came from Cuba. He's a very godly man. And he said, you know what? All of us believe Fidel Castro was a good man. And it didn't take us very long to realize he had an evil heart. And he said immediately they began to realize he wasn't a revolutionary. He wanted to control the masses. He was a dictator. The Soviet Union ushered in a dictator. The French Revolution ushered in Napoleon. I mean, you know these things. I mean, study history a little bit. You don't, you don't really even have to study if you just listen. <laughs> okay, if you just say, hey, be careful when there's lawlessness. It could be really bad. All right, that's a simple way to say it. Uh, we go on a little bit. Um, Titus 2.14 says, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Amen. came to redeem us from our lawless nature. Amen. And I'm going to show you at the end of this message how he's going to do that. Matthew 23, 28. He's talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees who are religious people Religious people, and on the outside, they look like they've gotten it, right? But he says to them, You outwardly appear righteous to others, but within, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. They really never reformed their heart. They appeared like they did. Hebrews 10.17, it says, Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawlessness no more, Hebrews ten seventeen. Hallelujah, is that awesome? God is trying to remove this lawless spirit that's within us. Satan is trying to say, rebel, nobody can be over you. Nobody can have authority. Nobody can tell you what to do. You are your own God. You don't need God. That's why these movements always end up in a godless society. You say, well, what ended up happening with the Soviets? Did they get more freedom? Boy, they didn't. You you could not hardly be a Christian in that society. I mean, know that they they wiped it out, became an atheist society. But China is a much better example, right? Church, I'm telling you, remember the three things that are going to happen: remove God, remove God, and remove God. And that's why we've got to be on guard, vigilant, sober-minded, watching what's going on in front of us. Because there are a lot of people, in fact, the communists, how many know this? Communists have a term called useful idiots. Anybody want to know what a useful idiot is? Don't point at anybody. Useful idiot means we can overthrow the government with people we can control, and then we'll step in the vacuum and become the authorities in that nation. So they rile up what they call... Useful idiots. Look it up. I'm not making it up. It's a very well-known term among communists. We will use the useful idiots. You know who they call their useful idiots? 
They're going to grab all the splinter groups and unite them, unite them together. And the splinter groups are immigrants, African Americans, LGBT. They're going to pull all these groups together, and I promise you, you look it up. They call them useful idiots because we're going to control them and we're going to overthrow this government. I've read the manuals. How many have read the manuals? I recommend you don't. But I've read their operating manuals. This is a wicked, wicked, um, evil thing that is going on in our midst. This lawlessness is straight from the pit of hell. And you say, well, man, Chad, why don't you say what you think? Church, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back because we've got too many politically correct people out there, and it drives me nuts, okay? When I can watch the news, and there's a rise in coronavirus, and it gives every excuse of why there's a rise, but not that every inner city is full of people in the streets side by side. Every other reason besides that. How come it's never reported that that could be like even an infant infinitesimal possibility that that spread it a little bit, you're not allowed to say it because it's not politically correct. But in the streets with thousands of people shoulder to shoulder is going to spread a virus. How many know that's true, whether they're reported or not? And church, I'm tired of the political correctness, okay? And you say, well, man, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Don't listen to me. I'm still going to tell the truth. If there's nobody in these seats, I'm still going to tell the truth. And if YouTube takes me off, I'll still tell the truth. I'm sorry. Because this is a dangerous path we're going. What happens when what happens when lawlessness multiplies, like the Bible says? Well, the scripture I read says lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. Well, Chad, that can't be true because Chaz Chop had an autonomous city and it was full of nothing but love. If you look at the uh, crime rate in that nation, it's higher than any crime rate of any nation that's ever existed. I'm just being honest. And it says when lawlessness increases... And you say, Chad, whose side are you on? I'm on the side of God. I don't care about your little arguments on politics, and I don't care about all that. You say, well, you have to believe one. No, I have to believe God. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Okay, don't put me in a corner. And the Bible says when lawlessness increases, love will grow cold. And you know, there are two kinds of love in the Bible. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. Jesus says that's the one commandment, and, and those two sum up all of them. And I see two kinds of people. Uh, when it becomes lawless, you lose all love. But I see some people that have learned to love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, but they really haven't learned how to love people. I mean, no, that's true. And the love of God will teach you to how to love Him first, and then by loving Him, you'll increase your love for people. I've seen people that love God but don't love people. And then I've seen people get this. You say, yeah, go after those people, Chad. I've seen people that love people but don't love God very well. And what God wants to do is he wants our love to grow. He wants our love to get deeper and stronger. He wants us to love people. And you say, well, which color? 
There's no colors. There's no colors. His, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all people might be saved. Everybody to be saved. God doesn't care. We're not to sit around and say, well, what about this color, that color? What about this religion, that religion? What about this nationality, that nationality? God's called us to, to love everybody. And we should be growing in that love. But he says, when lawlessness abounds, you want to know how loving the community of CHOP was? You go try to preach the love of Jesus in CHOP and see what happens to you. You'll get chopped up. I've seen it. I actually watch videos of it. They have armed guards. Just imagine if our nation were like armed guards around it. You couldn't preach the gospel in there. You couldn't say anything different than what they believe. And it's exactly what we see in history. Every time there's a rising up of the people in a revolution, then dictators take over. And so, church, we've got to be really careful. Don't fall prey to this. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Love like God wants us to love because when lawlessness grows, the love of many will grow cold. That means the majority will be cold in their love. And the first one it's going to attack is our love for God. It's going to attack our love for God. In a lawless society, love for God begins to grow cold. And that's why those those movements became atheist movements, because God was the problem. And you say, what else will happen? Love for each other will dissipate. You say, well, man, the... The climate of our country made everybody love each other so much more. Do you think people are loving each other more? Or do you think people are hating each other more? Church, I'm telling you the truth again. I'm not politically correct. Okay? How many are offended by me not being politically correct? I don't know who wrote those rules. All right? People are not loving each other more in this lawless atmosphere we have. They're hating each other more. And God's calling us away from that. God wants us to love each other more, not less. God wants solutions, not arguments. You know, there are some people that um, if certain groups, and it's all kinds of groups, if they don't keep them angry, they lose power. They want to keep people angry because they want a revolution. I can say it a hundred times. They want to keep people angry. They don't want people to have peace in their life. They don't want them to enjoy life. In fact, I've seen it firsthand when I was in Israel. You know, we were in a village on Gaza Strip. And on the other side of this village, not a hundred yards away, were the Palestinians. And the Palestinians, um, they will, the leadership is Hamas. And Hamas makes up about 5% of the Palestinian population in that village next door. And they try to tunnel into their city so they can come up out of the tunnel and kill every family that's in that city. That's their goal, is to pop up out of there and kill families. So they've had people that have tunneled through, popped out, and they had to arrest them before they could kill anybody. Um, They're throwing rockets constantly. they got a giant pile of rockets, hundreds of them, and they have to have uh, bomb shelters in their entire town. If you have a playground, it has to have a bomb shelter. If you have a house, you have to have a bomb shelter. You have to have everywhere you go, you have to live in fear because you have so many seconds to get to the bomb shelter. Um, depending on where you live and how far you are away from their community, you've got either three seconds, five seconds, seven seconds, or ten seconds. And so there was this dad here telling us how their life is. It's constant alarms and constantly going into the bomb shelter. And uh, he was just beaten down. The whole goal of it is terrorize them so much 
but they leave the land and we can have their land. And he said, we're not leaving, but my girls tell me at night. And he was crying, and he said, my girls tell me at night, Dad, can we leave here? We're tired of the red red, red lights and the sirens. And, and, um, and he just was, he was crying. His kids were crying. And, um, and anyway, I said, I, I said, you know, can we pray for you? And so we had a bunch of pastors there. We gathered around. We started to pray. And he goes, before you pray for me, to pray for the Palestinians. And, and we were a little confused because we didn't really know exactly everything was going. He said, they're poor. They don't have money. They don't have medical care. And he said, it's because the 5% of the Hamas that lives in that city must keep them miserable. He said, every chance we get, we, we, we smuggle food into them. We smuggle medical care into them. In fact, there was at one point on the northern border, a gate that was open, and anybody from the nation of Syria that would come through that door, they would medically treat them, send food with them, clothes with them, everything. They're trying to constantly get them jobs. But the leadership, listen to me very carefully, and you say, what's this have to do with America? Because the same group is trying to keep people miserable in this nation because they have control over them if they're miserable. And they said, he said, pray for them because we want to bless them. They want to be blessed, but they're under the control of Hamas, and Hamas wants them miserable. And so if you give them any kind of plan to prosper them, in fact, they want to give them economic prosperity. They want to bless their families. That, that gate that was open, they were bringing kids in that were crippled, had cancer, leukemia, all kinds of diseases. They would treat them. And then they would just secretly put them back through the gate and back home. The Syrian government found out about it. And they said, never again. They locked that gate, put it under armed guard because they can't. They said, we do not want people in our nation to like an Israeli. And so they will not let them bless that people. How many know this is true? This is Satan. This is how he works. He keeps people mad. And you say, well, why are you preaching about it? You're going to make people mad. I'm preaching about it because God wants us to prosper. God wants us to do well. God wants us to walk in the truth. God doesn't want us in all these little arguments where people are trying to raise up anarchy. This is not where God's called us. Hallelujah. Hard message. I'm sorry. Very sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to quit. This is important. <clears throat> so how does God want us to live? Turn to Psalm 1 where I started. Psalm 1 is considered like the title and the introduction to all the Psalms. And it's called the Psalm of Two Paths, a lot of people call it. There are two paths to living life. Verses 1 through 3 talks about the godly, righteous path. Verses 4 through 6 talk about the wicked path or the lawless path. Okay, And it says, Blessed is the man who does... Not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So I'm going to stop there before I get in the wicked. There are one to two billion people in the world that call themselves Christians. Okay? Now, there are a lot of reasons why people call themselves Christians. How I many you know some people have grown up in a Christian nation? And so when you write it down on a survey sheet, 
It says, what are you? And you're like, I don't know, I guess I'm Christian. Right? Some people were Christians because their parents were Christian. Right? And some people are Christian because it's morally the right thing to do. But this person is different. This person delights in the law of the Lord. It's like a joy for me to be obedient to the Lord. I love him. He's my closest friend. He's the one that I love, I serve, he's my Lord. How many of you know just having a title of Christian from your parents doesn't allow you to have that love? I can't make my kids love the law of the Lord. How many know that's true? I've got to either love it or not love it. I can't make them love the law of the Lord. But this person that he's talking about that is blessed and happy, he loves the law of the Lord. In fact, he's walking down his path, and it says he refuses to walk in the counsel of the wicked. So he sees people having ideals that are against his Lord, and he refuses it. He walks a different direction. It says that um, he refuses to stand with the way of sinners. You know, sinners have a way that they think seems right. He won't stand with them. He stands a different way. He's going upstream, not down. He doesn't sit in the seat of mockers like he doesn't join them in mocking God. But he loves the law of the Lord. I mean, no, that's a guy that loves the law. It's the opposite. In fact, all through the Bible, the opposite is the lawless and the ones that love God and love his law. And this one meditates day and night. You say, well, why would I do that? Because we all agreed we are lawless, right, in heart. We're all sinners. So why do I need to meditate day and night on the law of the Lord and love it? Because if I don't know what the law of the Lord is, how can I ever love it or be obedient to it? If I don't know the Word of God, how in the world am I ever going to love it and be obedient to it? I love the law of the Lord, church. I love the things that God tells me about my life. Am I able to do all of them? No, I'm, I'm trying every day to be obedient to the Lord and obedient to what He tells me to do, obedient to how I am to treat people and, and obedient to the way I'm supposed to walk in my life. But I study day and night, meditate day and night because I want to please Him. I love God. And church, I've got a hope that's beyond this world. You know, I don't, I'm not dreading tomorrow because I'm looking forward to my hope in heaven. I'm ready to be with the Lord. I'm excited because every day I'm closer to there. Amen? How I many have that hope? makes me happy all the time. No matter what my circumstances, it makes me happy. But it says, here's the contrast. Not so for the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hallelujah. Church, God's calling us today to be lovers of God, not lovers of ourselves, not lovers of a movement, not lovers of lawlessness. I mean, no, the groups that you're going to be in, if you're in a high school today, I mean, no, everybody around you are going to be what the Bible calls lawless. 
How many know that it's against God's law? It's lawless to say, I will have sex before marriage. How many know that's lawless? You say, well, you better stop there or you're going to get in trouble. The political police are going to get you. How many know homosexuality is wrong in the Bible? How many know adultery is wrong in the Bible? And there are groups of people, you're not going to believe this, there are groups of people that say, God cannot tell us what to do. We'll do what we want to do. And God's saying, go away from that. God's saying, the few that find this path understand that God has a law and you need to love His law because He wants to bless your life. You say, well, Chad, you've never been touched by any of those things. Church, trust me. My life is full of those types of lifestyles. Okay, I've grown up around those kinds of lifestyles. Well, you wouldn't be that way if somebody close to you were gay. I would still love the law of the Lord. I would still preach the truth because I want to bless their lives. I want them to be blessed. And the Bible says, if you love the law of the Lord, you'll be blessed. But if you're anomia against the law, you can't be blessed. There's no way. That's the Word of God. In church, it's a hard word. I know it's a hard word, but somebody's got to preach it. How many have heard this preached somewhere else? You? We don't hear it preached, do we? So I might get like tarred and feathered when I leave. I don't know. But we got to preach it. We got to believe it. We got to stand on it. We got to go against it. Yep, godliness is gain. Amen. Stand your feet. All right. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and I just ask right now, Lord God, help us, Lord. Lord, we live in a land, Lord, where there's a spirit of lawlessness, Lord God. There's a hatred of God. There's a hatred for your laws, hatred for your word, hatred for your spirit. Father, I pray that we would not be that way, Lord God, but we'd be full of your spirit, loving your law, loving your spirit, hungry for you, Lord God, growing in godliness, Lord, not growing in wickedness. Father, that you would hide us, Lord God, under the shadow of your wings, Lord God. Father, I pray right now that you would uh, move upon hearts, Lord. And Church, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to close this way. I have a lot of people tell me that they're trying to get closer to the Lord and that they are where they need to be with the Lord. And can I tell you something? I've always been able to tell through worship where people's hearts are. Not to say that somebody can't worship and be a phony, but how many know that when you receive forgiveness from the Lord and you accept Him as the Lord of your life and you intend to follow through with it, how many know that now my hands are clean and I'm allowed now to raise my hands? In church, I can always tell. You can tell me one thing, but people don't feel right to raise those hands until they've received that forgiveness and says, now I can raise my hands. And I remember the day when I walked in and realized I can worship the Lord now. I'm clean. Filthy as my hands were, filthy as my life was, I understood the forgiveness and grace of the Lord and I raised my hands up and became a worshiper. Church, I'm going to give you that freedom today. If you ask Jesus 
to forgive you of your sins, accept Him as the Lord of your life, and begin to follow that path that few find. Raise those hands up and worship Him with all of your heart. If you can't do that, I can tell you, you're probably, and I'm not saying positively, you're probably on the wrong path. Hallelujah. We need to worship Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. Love God with all of our heart, reject the world, and then begin to love people like God wants us to love people. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'll leave it in your hands. Find a place. The lights are going to be down. It's going to be perfect. Raise those hands. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, we'll be here for you. I I just want to know want you to know I'll I'll fight for your souls I mean oh that's important nothing else in this world is important as your soul being right with the Lord being ready for his return knowing what's happening in these last days and that's all that matters church all these other things these gospels of um have a good life, have a better life, have a you know prosperous life. The number one thing is that we're living for the Lord, serving the Lord, ready for His return, and knowing what's going on around us. In church, a spirit of lawlessness is covering our country right now. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. You say, should we hate the lawlessness? Yes, we hate the lawlessness, but how many know every person who is lawless is where we used to be. We love those who are lawless. And how many know we've been sent here to minister to them? How many know that? Don't be fooled. Lawlessness in the world. We're here to pray and reach people. Hallelujah. We're not here to be caught up in the fray of the lawlessness. Hallelujah. We got a mission. We've got to fulfill that mission. So if all your time is spent arguing online, you're probably not fulfilling your mission. If uh, you're distracted by all of it, if you're disgusted by all of it, if you're uh, giving a cold shoulder to all of it, God wants us actively praying and reaching people. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what side they're on. They could be the worst communist protester or Luciferian protester, and we're trying to reach the world. Hallelujah. We're trying to reach the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you've called us, Lord God. You've loved us, Lord. Lord, that you healed us, Lord God, of a lawless, sinful heart, Lord God. And every day, Lord God, you pour your grace upon us, Lord God. You love us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that, Lord God. And I praise power upon your children, Lord God, a mighty anointing, Lord God, a desire to reach the lost, Lord God, a clarity of our message, Lord. Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, on every believer in here, Lord God, to do your mighty work in this world, Lord God. 
that is dark right now, Lord. Lord, I pray your anointing upon them, Lord. Bless them, Lord God, as they go. In your name I pray, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.